we are delighted to welcome Barwon Health Foundation as sponsors of Room 64. If you would like to support palliative care services at Barwon Health, please contact the Barwon Health Foundation at barwonhealthfoundation.org.au. Welcome to another episode of Room 64. We've got a couple of special guests with us today, uh, Tonya and Owen. So what we're going to do in today's episode of Room 64 is um, I'm going to hand it over to Tonya. And Tonya is actually going to interview her son, Owen, about their experiences with, uh, with palliative care quite a few years ago now. Thanks, Christine. It's really nice to be, to be back. Um, so as Christine said, I've got... Um, privilege of interviewing my son for this podcast. Um, we're just going to have a bit of a chat about our experience um, and what we went through in the hope that it might resonate with some people that are listening and some um, young adults or children that are going through the same experience um, as well. So let's start off. How old were you when dad passed away, when he died? Um, so I was seven, yeah, or turning seven. Uh, six, I think, yeah. Yeah. So what do you remember? What Um, memories do you have about dad? I remember a lot of Lego building. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember a lot of drums in the morning and throughout the day in the big blue shed in our house. Yep. Our old house. Um, yeah, I remember a lot of him sitting at his desk and... Um, doing all his music production and all that. Um, yeah, there's um, also playing video games with him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just him being around a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that was one of the great things about the time that you got to spend with him is that um, Richard worked from home a lot um, and so that was really good that he got to, yeah, spend a lot of time yeah. with you and that he was around um, a lot and um, it's funny that you say about the drums and the music. Um, so Owen plays drums as well following in his dad's footsteps and he also does a lot of music um, and into production and things like that as well. So ironically it has um, morphed <laughs> um, some symbiotic strange relationship um, that you've picked up on that and that was something that, you know, obviously we encouraged but it was never something that, you know, we forced you into and it's just that you, yeah, like the same things. Um, yeah, at six years old, I never thought I would be doing this right now. That's right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Do you feel connected when you are doing, playing drums and, you know, doing music stuff? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a surreal feeling. Um, like every time I'm behind a drum kit, it just... It just feels like a weird link, like he's not here now, but um, yeah, it's just a weird connection. It's uh, like, it's so weird to talk about, like, Mm. it just feels so strange. And like, yeah, now that I want to do more music production, yeah, it's just such a weird feeling. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely comforting 
feeling this way, knowing that like, yeah, someone doesn't have to really be around um, to have a connection with them. Yeah, it may not be physical, but it's definitely very emotional mm. being connected like this. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good point, I think, that you make that um, when someone has died and, and you know, we um, remembering them and as time goes on, it's always good to know that whatever works for you in terms of that connection and, um, you know, memories can start to fade sometimes. But, you know, if you're if you've got something that's, um, makes you connected in that way, then, um, you know, that's really good and that's a way, you know, for his legacy to live on, you know, in you um, as well. What do you remember about the time? So for those that um, may not be familiar, um, Richard um, was diagnosed with stomach cancer when he was 35. Um, it was seven months between diagnosis and the time that he passed away, um, the time that he died. And um, he was at home for most of the time, didn't really want to be um, in hospital. So we had um, the amazing staff at Bowen Health Palliative Care um, and access them to be able to come out. Um, so the nurses that came out, Jen and um, Andrew and um, Jill, um, were great in coming out and visiting us regularly. Um, what do you remember about the time when he was sick and, um, yeah, what, what memories do you have around that? Um, I don't think I really processed a lot of it when I was younger. Um, it just it was a little strange having people visit all the time and, um, like, I, I think dad was taking trips to the hospital and all. Um, but yeah, like I knew something was going around and I didn't really know what cancer was back then. Um, but yeah, like I knew something bad is happening and that was just something that I had um, concerned about. Um, it didn't really affect me too much just because... I pretty much suppressed like all crying and everything. But yeah, I just remember him being in bed a lot. Um, I knew his hair was uh, falling out and that, but I didn't know that cancer was doing it. But yeah, I think it hits more now knowing all this um, rather than back then because yeah, I just, I didn't really know what's what was going on. Mm. And you were, you know, six at the time and I think, you know, as parents um, and as carers, you know, we want to shield our children from, you know, the realities, you know, of this world and the harshness sometimes um, and unfairness, you know, that it brings. And I think that's one of the huge dilemmas in um, when you are, you know, caring for someone at home whether it, or whether it's palliative care, you know, in here at the unit, Um you know, how do kids understand these realities that go on in the world? And, you know, you knew that there were nurses and doctors coming in, you knew that something was wrong. And, you know, I was very, I think, conscious of, um, you know, especially with, with you more so than your sister, because she was only one, but yeah, you know, telling you, you know, the real facts and using the real words, the terminology and, um, but also um, showing you that, yeah, you know, this was a time where we, you know, weren't sure what was going to happen either and, um, and you know, you often saw us upset, you often saw us, you know, um, busily 
doing things, caring for him. Um, and I think that was really important, you know, in hindsight, I think, to be able to expose you, you know, um, to those type of things. And it was at home. This this was our home still. This was still where you lived, but you were able to see those things, um, you know, in real time, in, in real life. Um, and hopefully, you know, didn't scar, <laughs> scar you too much, but I think it was really important to yeah, be able to, for you to know that it was still your home. There was still, we still tried to, you know, give you as much routine as possible. Um, but yeah, the reality of it was that you knew dad was sick, that he was changing, you know, in his appearance and, um, and that he wasn't going to get, you know, get better. So Tonya, it sounds to me like the way, um, you and Richard dealt with this was, um, very open and supportive of your, of each other but also of the, the kids. Do you think that given the work you've been doing over the last however many years in this space, do you think that there's something we can learn from that and the way we actually support kids, children, to deal with death and grief and, and is there something different we could be doing in the palliative care space? Yeah, I think... I think it's really important to give kids the answers that they're looking for and they might not ask the questions in a direct way like adults might, um, but they do want to know answers. They notice things, you know, you notice things, like you said, even though you were six um, and probably had lots of questions and um, so I think just, yeah, being not, not shying away from showing your emotions, I think that's really important um, as a parent and as a um, person with an early childhood background. You know, it's really important for us to be able to show our emotions and not, you know, suppress them in front of our children, that it's okay to be sad, that it's okay to not be okay. Um, yeah, this is a really sad situation. We're not going to pretend that it's, you know, all happy, joy, joy, um, and it's important to to see that. Did you get a sense of that, Owen, that, yeah, there were times when it wasn't, you know, it was a bit stressful and it was sad. Did you get a sense, even though you may not have understood cognitively, did you pick up on the emotions of the house, you know, at that time? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I remember sometimes you'd be crying or dad would be crying. Um, other family members visiting and crying. Mm. Um, I definitely understood what other people were feeling but I didn't know how I should feel Mm. um like obviously I wanted to try and do something but being six years old um (laughs) it's not much I can do yeah um but yeah um I definitely understood the mood of what it was what the reality was and it was yeah getting worse and worse but yeah so, Owen, do you, do you reflect on that a bit, you know, as an adult now and wonder if there's something different that we could be doing with young people and the way we support young people through death and grief? I'd say it's something that our family does now, which is, you know, kind of have one-on-one talks and or talks as a family together at the dinner table, um, just about different topics and all, but, yeah, just having that space and time where we can talk about it because after he passed I was doing like counseling or therapy at school and I know I didn't talk much then but now when I think about it yeah like it's definitely something 
I could have opened up a bit more about. But yeah, like my mum has always been um, caring and knowing that like I'm a quiet person, but I do have things to say. And yeah, it's just the matter of not forcing the answers out, but yeah, just letting it happen over time. Mm. I like the um, thing you mentioned there about creating the space for the conversation, whether it be one-on-one or around the dinner table. I reckon that's that's gold. You know, that's that's really, really important, creating that space. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think um, at the time too, those days when we were sad or that you did see us cry or other people, you know, crying and, and being upset, we tried to explain to him back then even when he was six, you know, why we were sad, why, yeah, why we're upset, you know, that it is, you know, we'll be okay, but it's okay to, yeah, you know, to be sad and to cry and and hopefully now that, you know, as an adult, you know, you are perhaps hopefully less uncomfortable when people, you know, are sad around you or that when you see people upset or when that you can empathise a bit more and sympathise a bit more with people that are going through something, you know, similar, um, firstly because, you know, we've been through that experience but by not being afraid that, you know, people show emotions and, yeah, you know, crappy things happen in this world and it's okay to you know, to feel mm. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So how do you think losing your dad so so young, you know, impacts you now um, as an adult? Um, yeah, I think it's it's affected me ten times more now than it did back then. Mm. Um, just seeing photos and videos of him when he was younger, um and like fam- our family photos and stuff back then, like it just hits a lot harder now. Mm. Um, yeah, there's been nights where like I just think about him and I start bawling my eyes out. It's a really tough thing to think about now. Yeah, there's just like a lot of brief memories that pass through. Yeah, um, yeah, because nothing was really clear and it's 12 years ago. But yeah, just like... The things I do now, it affects me a lot more and it's just something that I know is supposed to be a part of me. Yep. And as time goes on, like I said, and, you know, you still have those memories and, you know, that's really important. Um, but, you know, there's no timeline for grief. There's no, in my, in our experience, you know, there's no wrong or right, right way and I think people... Um, you know, one of the misconceptions about grief is that, you know, time heals all wounds or that, you know, and it does get easier. And I think we do our lives grow around the grief that it's always still there and our lives grow around that. But it's important to understand that it will morph and and change as we get older and as you um, have gotten older and you know, we've grown up with this experience in our family and this being part of our family that it's... um, it has got a lot, a lot easier, and in some senses, we've we've moved on, and and um, you know I've remarried, but um, it's still there, and there are still lots of things, yeah, that can trigger that, and that those waves and those triggers that come, and I think that's probably um, part of the journey, the bereavement journey, is 
discovering those triggers and those things for yourself and and understanding that um, they're going to come and and they can hit like waves but um, it's important to, yeah, feel our way through those things and, and, um, you know, thankfully we can do that as a family Um, and not all families, you know, have the capacity to do that and that's where um, the palliative care comes into its own and and the counsellors here um, as well are really good at supporting, you know, and on the other side, um, as they start their bereavement journey as well. What would you say to any kids out there that are going through what you went through? I know that we had the support of um, Wombat's Wish, which is a great organisation here in Geelong that um, has camps and um, services for kids who have lost their parents through suicide or um, terminal illness. Um, what would you say to those kids that are attending, you know, those camps and things, you know, now that you know, you know, in hindsight, what would you say to them? Yeah, open up. Um, Don't feel afraid to speak your feelings because I think it hurts a lot more if you keep that feeling stuck down inside you. Yeah, especially now, like I wasn't, reacting too much back then but now that I've kept those feelings back for so long yeah each time those memories fly by it just hits so so hard yeah just find something in your life that you can find a connection yeah I'm blessed enough that I can have a drum kit in my room I have family members that support me I feel super lucky that I I can do all these things and it's not something that like I feel forced to do like be following in my dad's footsteps but um yeah just finding the the friends that you can talk to yeah finding just an avenue to see where you can express those feelings was it helpful for you when you went to the camp um to know that there were kids you know that were going through similar experiences yeah I wasn't very social but we did find I remember there was one friend that I connected to yeah I remember I remember him and um, most of the time that we're at the camp, I was just trying to like stick with him because there was other kids there as well, but um, I didn't connect with them as much. It was definitely a scary thing going to that camp just because it's not like being not very social, um, being around all these people that have felt the same thing, but because I was like suppressing all my feelings, it felt weird being in that place like I didn't belong too much Mm. but um I reckon it did help like it was a bit of a push um that like I can be open how I feel I think it's definitely worth going to those camps and um organizations that help out so Wombat's Wish is an organization specifically for children is that right yeah specifically for um children that have lost yeah parents um and it's a non-profit um organization down here and there's a similar one called feel the magic um which is up in melbourne um as well but they specifically deal with yeah for children camps and they also run um sometimes programs in schools and um provide some counseling and group you know therapy for kids that have lost parents yeah through various circumstances so and the camps were um just for the just for the kids or did, were, they, were they family camp? Yeah, so it's family camp. So um, surviving adults and carers um, went along. So um, and it was just a weekend uh, down in Anglesey. 
Um, and so the kids went off and would do activities um, and then the adults would go off and, and have some group sessions and, you know, talk about stuff as well um, in their own space. We found it really good. It was I think it was only like four or five months after he died um, that we went, but they have them run them every year um, and I think now they're starting to get into regional um, Victoria too, which is really, really good. But it just happened that the timing, yeah, of the next camp. And I think that was through palliative care, possibly Bowen Health or um, services that we um, alerted us to Wombat's Wish. So um, we thought, yeah, it was a great opportunity. Yeah, it's not for everyone, but I think it, it was for free. You know, um, they have sponsors and businesses around Geelong that sponsor them to be able to raise money to put these camps on. So, you know, we took it as a really good opportunity even though it was early on in our grief journey I think yeah you know it was something that yeah we definitely um benefited from thank you so much I I think we'll we'll wrap it up I just think it's important to say to both of you how lucky we are to have had you in um today's episode it's been um great hearing from you Owen and really really appreciate your time yeah that's, and it's, that's all good it's been terrific to hear what you've got to say and there's been a number of little words of wisdom in there for all of us I think and uh, my my favourite one was the um, creating the space to have the conversations about grief and I think that's uh, in, important for all of us to to remember and, um, and, you know, grief hits, grief hits us all at some stage. And uh, the, um, the grief journey, as you talked about it, um, Tonya, is, is one that doesn't end. It's just the, the – it's in degrees, isn't it? Um, so, look, thank you both very much. Uh, really, really, really appreciate it. So that's, that's it from Room 64. No one's lying by your side Go if you have to Go if you need to Go if you want to You loves are on your mind Life's just a highway That has many by